Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. Welcome to another episode of RTAF Podcast. Thank you for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, genuinely, thank you. If you like our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to it. Tell your friends, buy a t-shirt, buy a keychain, help us out. We love you. On this episode, we have Alicia Post. Alicia is a figurative painter uh, living in Illinois right now. She's going to Eastern Illinois University, studying uh, figure painting there. Yeah, what did we talk about this episode? What were some key points? Alicia's awesome. I mean, she's in training to become a college art professor. Mm -hmm. And she also has an amazing body of work. You know, she's traveled in the festival scenes and created visionary art and now she's diving into personal trauma that happened in her life and learning how to articulate and share and open up that conversation in art so we talk a little bit about that um we talk about her paintings and how they're kind of these figures without any identifiable features emerging from the canvas and she she's chosen to paint subjects who have had trauma in their life Mm -hmm. and what else do we get into we get into her life in the festival scene a little bit being a mom yes yeah Yeah. and how that has changed her art and you can see it in her work from the last two years it's changed and she even we mentioned um maybe the risks uh, or perceived risks of switching the style up Mm -hmm. you know but uh, she's on point, man. Yeah, she is. I think, and we say this in the episode, but like evolution of an artist should be celebrated. Hell yeah. Not necessarily like, no, I like their old stuff better. <laughs> like that's fine too for, for the viewer, or for the experiencer. Mm-hmm. I think it's so cool to see artists evolve. Like you look at uh, like David Bowie or like Papadozio is another great example. Mm-hmm. They've evolved a lot. Um, we talked about... Um, responsible use of psychedelics and uh just you know we like to keep putting that meme out there in the world yeah if you feel like going crazy maybe listen to the episode and uh learn what not to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah we talked about purpose in art like we always do we're real excited to share this one with you guys thank you so much alicia i'm gonna shout her out real quick her ig her instagram is at alicia post art and her website is aliciapostart.com so go check those out we forgot to mention them in the podcast so we're doing it right here at the top yeah so yeah you want to do a little countdown yeah let's launch her in six (laughs) five four three two one namaste Yeah.
yeah, definitely. So, where are you? It's a cool looking studio. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm in my my art studio currently. So I'm a grad student right now at Eastern Illinois University, mm-hmm. and so there's like 13 of us all together with different studios, and so. Yeah, I wanted to get the headsets too because like the ceilings are really high and there's a lot of echo and then they're all open so we can Uh, hear like other students like working and things like that. (laughs) Well, hell yeah. Yeah. High quality Skype cast. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Actually, before we got started, like with me, I just wanted to thank you guys and like boost Uh, your egos a little bit (laughs) because I am so incredibly grateful for what you guys are doing and the service that you're providing to not only listeners and people who are really interested in artwork by these artists, but also the artists themselves, um, giving them a voice where there's not really too many platforms for that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of pack podcasts that interview all sorts of people, but you know, having this one specifically geared towards, um, you know, people who run galleries and musicians and artists, it's, it's really great and it's really inspiring. And, yeah, you know, I used to, what'd you guys say? Uh, we're having fun with it. So yeah. Yeah. It's, I appreciate it so much. You know, it's like when I was first getting into art, I would listen to music all the time in my studio and work. But the past couple of years, I've really been more interested in listening to podcasts mm-hmm. and I can really, you know, focus and a little bit more. And I like to, you know, I, I listen to like Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. You guys have honestly replaced Joe Rogan Dang. since you guys. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Big ups there, um, because We're it's great. Joe. It's, you know, yeah, Joe, <laughs> watch out, buddy. <laughs> Five stars. Um, but no, seriously, you know, it's it's really great getting to hear our peers talk and have conversations and share their experiences and their perspectives on art and not just art, but you know, all kinds of things. So yeah, totally. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Like I, I found myself in the same thing. You know, I started out listening to music, and then I said realized I was listening to almost only podcasts while I was painting and yeah. I was learning so much from comedians like their path was very translatable to the artist's path oh yeah but mm-hmm. after a while you're, you're like I want to hear actual artists like mm-hmm. it's, right, such, it's right. such a confusing path so at least we can mm-hmm. share and kind of I don't know understand and find commonalities and yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's really good, you know, um, just getting to connect. And I know, Andrew, you kind of relate to me where, you know, you come from a small town, you grew up like mm-hmm. somewhere where there weren't a lot of artists um, doing a lot. And, you know, John from the podcast, I've never met you in person, but just hearing you talk about your experience mm-hmm. living in Pennsylvania and just not having a core, you know, group of friends and artists that you could connect with. Yeah. It's really great. Um, for us because I'm in Illinois in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere um, especially you know going back to like 2008 when I first really started getting into like life painting and creating work um, there wasn't any of that happening mm-hmm. you know it was kind of like I knew that I was doing it but I I was far enough away from Chicago to where I wasn't really connected to, um, I was painting in Chicago but I wasn't really connected to what was happening there mm-hmm because I wasn't living there and there wasn't a lot going on at the time. And so it's like having platforms like this where we can listen to others talk and share their experiences. It's, it's really great for us. And like, well, you guys are in that right now, you know, living in Colorado, it's like 
booming right now. But for other people who are in these like, you know, remote areas, it's, it's really nice and refreshing. That, that's yeah. pretty much who it's for, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we mm-hmm. talked about it a lot and, you know, kind of our, our mission statement is sort of like if we can inspire even just like one person in a, you know, quote unquote remote place. Um, cause we realize the gift we've been given by living here with all of our artsy friends, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, we're just trying to share it with people and give, yeah. give back, you know, give value. So thanks for, thanks for that shout out. We really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. 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 And the community too is so different. Um, it's so mm-hmm. unique to other artist communities, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, I kind of teeter in between, you know, a couple different worlds where I am involved with, you know, the festival culture and like the music and art scene where we all connect in a way that's really special and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of factors in that. And I think that the connections that I have made in those platforms in comparison to say like the academia world, you know, ha- being surrounded by other college students, you know, you make those connections with people, but it's, it's different. Mm-hmm, I feel right. like it's, it's less, um, intimate, um, because we are in these like structured environments as opposed to like at festivals, like you're free, like you're able to right. be yourself mm-hmm. fully expressive in what you're doing. And yeah. Yeah. So it's like ha- having come from like both of those worlds, it's like, it's really special, like the community that is growing and how connected we are to people like all over the world, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah, it's really nice. And and hopefully those two kind of separate worlds start melting together, you know, maybe yeah, that, maybe the fine yeah. art side gets a little more friendly and, you know, more eager to share and learn from each other. And then also, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like the more structured artistic approach can find its way into, you know, psychedelic art and festival culture. Yeah. So, and that is, hap- yeah. that is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not everywhere. Yeah. But it definitely is. And I think one of the contributing factors in that is just, you know, if you're going back like 20, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. you basically had gallery spaces where artists would sell their work out of and you had to have an art dealer and things like that. Well, now with the advent of like technology, we have all these different ways to where we can market ourselves, sell our work, connect with like so many people right. to where we're self-sufficient and we mm-hmm. don't have to re- rely on that. And, you know, with this growing community that's happening, um, being in these like traditional, you know, methods of education and learning, we can help inspire others, you know? Mm-hmm. I, so one thing I like to address is that I think it is so important if you do want to go into the realm that I'm in, like studying art in a college mm-hmm. atmosphere, I think you really need to evaluate what it is you want to do with that, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason is, is that, you know, you're investing so much money into these colleges and you really need to know what you want to do because if you just want to advance your skill level, it's not always your best option. There's so Mm -hmm, many other options. You could take workshops with people. Um, you know, look up your favorite artists, like look, investigate, are they teaching workshops? Because you can get a lot of information from workshops in an intensive, in a very short amount of time with a one set fee, Mm -hmm. you're learning from that teacher that you want to learn from as opposed to 
you know, you want to be a better painter, you enroll in a college, you take these courses with the the painting instructor, but then you're also spending money on working towards a degree and you're taking these classes with other teachers that might not be the best fit for you. Yeah, You're taking like, you know, drawing, screen printing, things like that. And so if you want to teach, if you want to teach K through 12, if, if you want to teach college level art, go the college route. Mm-hmm. I'm in it because I, I want to teach uh, students college level art. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't going to do that, I wouldn't be here because, sure. you know, otherwise you find yourself going into a lot of debt uh-huh. oftentimes <laughs> and, you know, you don't really know what to do after that. And so I, I really am uh, a firm believer that if you want to teach, then college is what you need to do. But there's other ways. There's so many opportunities for artists now that, and I think it's also important if you, if you are going to go into college, really research that school um, and find the teacher that's going to be best for you. Mm -hmm. It is so important. You know, I've had, I've had some teachers where what they taught me the best was what not to do. Um, and <laughs> mm-hmm. what, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but, but at the same time, you know, the institute, the way the institution is set up right now, you have to accept whatever teachers that they have instilled for you. Right. I know this is really far fetched, but I would love to see the day and the future where we could build our own degrees. And so the way college is right now, it's like you have to have a set number of credit hours to graduate from an institution. But what if we evolved that in the future? And this is wishful thinking, but mm. what if we were able to seek out our teachers? Mm. And, mm. you know, if there's a teacher, for example, at the New York Academy of Art, that's a really amazing figurative painter. And I want to go study with that teacher for a semester. So I travel to New York, take that class. But then I want to get into drawing the drawing professor at, say, Washington University in St. Mm-hmm. Louis is the best fit for me. Mm-hmm. Why can't, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like be a traveling just, student. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like build your degree. And mm-hmm. obviously it will be difficult. But at the same time, you will totally be focused on like who's driving you and mm-hmm. which teachers you know are going to be the best for you. Um, like teachers you are inspired by and look up to. But it's it's really the system is really not set up for that, and I don't know yeah. that it ever will be. But yeah, it's the, well, yeah. even Things just I've putting about. putting these mm-hmm. uh, messages out and letting that reverberate out. You know those ideas, because mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, our whole culture is just a, a conglomeration of people doing something, and in some way, you know, we're all culture creators. So. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. the, these memes we put out and these wishes that we have, it's like, why can't we do something like that? It'd be amazing. Right. right. Be the most because m- there's these set rules yeah. <laughs> installed. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's for profit, these colleges. And so they <laughs> want to make sure that they keep students, you know, it's just the way it is. And hopefully in years to come, it can change. So but. How, how much more school do you have left? Um, and how long okay, have you been so doing it? And- Man, I have been in and out of school for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I Okay, so I started college in 2006. And oh, wow. I yeah, I, I went for two years, and it was straight out of high school. And I'm really appreciative for that experience. But 
I think a lot of people get turned off at first um, by going to school for art, and especially in the beginning, mm-hmm. because you're taking all of these foundation core classes, um, which are so important. I, I still to this day think that the most important art class I ever had was uh, 2D design, mm-hmm. because you learn the fundamentals of design and how design works and layout and composition Mm -hmm. and you know i learned like color harmonies and really what that class did was teach me the science behind art but at the same time you're doing these projects that aren't you know the most inspiring Mm -hmm. you know to just sit there and draw a still life Mm -hmm. and but once if you can get past that you know that hurdle that really, at the, in the time, you might be like, "Man, I don't, I don't want to sit here. I don't want to keep drawing these, you know, outdated vases and pears. like deer antlers <laughs> and pears, like <laughs> sitting on a table, you know, all awkwardly placed together." Mm-hmm. But, um, but it really is important, especially when when you're first learning. Okay, but at the same time, it's like it can be so overwhelming. And so, after I graduated from that school and got my associate degree. I decided like I needed a huge break and that was in 2008 and that's pretty much when I started getting into the festival scene and started live painting. So at that time, um, I had just moved out of my parents' house. I was 20 and I started becoming friends with a lot of the local musicians and they started inviting me to come paint at their shows. And so there would be these like small events that are like, you know, two day events that would happen. And I was just getting into it and I loved it because it was an opportunity for me to like show my work Mm -hmm. um, to a lot of people at once and also just kind of like open myself up a little bit um, to just, like learning how to be comfortable in those atmospheres where, you know, there's this loud music happening and people that are, you know, kind of like coming up to you and talking to you. And so learning how to talk to people about my work, uh-huh. it was a really great like learning experience. It, always like every event right. I do still, um, it's kind of like a study sometimes on like sociology and anthropology and like, yeah. learning like it's the human <laughs> in-depth yeah, psychology just, of uh, oh, trippers yeah. at like, music festivals. <laughs> I like that. Always, always, always having to be on your toes and prepared for anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Anything. Um, and so I did that for a really long time. And so while I was doing that, I was also, uh, working so much. I was working, man, sometimes close to like 70 hours a week. Damn. Um, just trying to like support myself. And so I, at that time in 2008, when I first got into all that, I was working full time at a pharmacy, 40 hours. And I was working at Michael's and the framing department <laughs> right on for like, shit. I don't know, 12 to 15 hours. And then on top of that, I was art modeling. I first got into like modeling for art um, classes for figure drawing. And that was like 12 hours a week. And so basically like, I just like, man, just like working that many hours, nobody should ever have to do. That's a hell of a crash course, man. (laughs) Yeah. Every aspect of being. Oh man. And just like the dynamic between the three different jobs, like, Mm. you know, one is so mentally draining, like working in pharmacy. Oh my gosh. And then, you know, the art modeling was great because I was able to sit there and I was able to 
one, learn the methods in which the teacher taught. And so even though I technically wasn't a school or Mm -hmm. in school at that college, Mm -hmm. I was learning from the students how they were drawing and how they would approach drawing. And then I was also learning how to teach based on what that teacher was teaching and what was working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was an amazing experience. And then, so I continued that and I was pretty good at it because I, I was into, I got into yoga at the time pretty like seriously. Mm. And so it was really just like, I would just meditate the whole time. And the whole time I would sit there, I would paint my own paintings in my mind. Like Whoa. what I was going to work on after working, you know, 13 hours that day oh, yeah. and just getting so like pumped up when I was sitting there mm-hmm. to get home at the end of the day. And at the time it was like super unhealthy what I was doing. I was so tired and I, I just like, I would get home and just like chug an energy drink just so I could like <laughs> oh, yeah. stay up hey, those formative as long years. as I could. You, were you into, <laughs> were you more of a monster or a Red Bull or what were you, what were you on the back amp. I think amp? it was amp. Oh yeah. That's, amp. that was so good. The green stuff. <laughs> yeah (laughs) which yeah so but but man like I would just stay up as long as I could until I had to do it all over again the next day and I worked on one painting like for that whole year that I was doing that and it was uh, my painting music's brow um which is this it was like the first painting I did outside of going to school Mm -hmm. and it was totally free you know it wasn't a project that I had to do it was something that I could totally just make up on my own and it was I would consider the first time I painted something that like would fit into that visionary like realm that you see a lot in the festivals. And so it was really freeing and it, that painting pretty much kept me going and kept me alive because man, it was a very (laughs) draining, (laughs) draining year when I did that. Do you think there's some, uh, like utility in, in not, in having, like another job or something where you get like real amped up during the day to go home and do whatever you want on this 2d surface. Oh yeah. I think, yeah. I think just like having so much restraint Mm -hmm. during my day. Right. Just, I think what got me through that day is just thinking about, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to work on that painting. And Mm -hmm. like, it was really, really my biggest motivator, like pushing me through. Mm hmm every day and so but yeah eventually eventually I got to the point to where I wanted to really start focusing on traveling more and and doing that and painting more and sharing my work because that's what I you know was I wasn't I wasn't a pharmacy technician like I I was doing that because I had to but you know it's like I was an artist and so like my passion just kept driving me towards that um and art modeling too was like one of the best experiences I ever did because I ended up modeling at like five different schools and I learned so much information. Mm-hmm. You know, I eventually, I, I feel fully equipped to teach a life drawing class based on just all those years I did that. Nice. Did it for like 11 years and just like what I learned from all these different schools and all these different teachers and I definitely learned how not to teach the class based <laughs> on you know, some classes that I modeled for. And it was kind of sad too, because being someone who is passionate about painting the figure and seeing, you know, the teachers that some people had to have based on the college they went to, it was really like, 
Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, and they had no idea, like the potential yeah. of how much a better environment could have shaped them in a more positive, like fruitful way. It's, and a, so, it's a scary thing. You end up with like a shitty teacher. And it could like make yeah. your passion vanish mm-hmm. or right, you get right, really right. off track. What do you think makes yeah. a good teacher? I think somebody that you connect with. Like if, mm-hmm. if you connect with their work and their teaching style, then that's going to be a good teacher for you. And it's not going to be a good teacher for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think it's important to really know like what you want and what you want to achieve. And that's sometimes art. It, it, sometimes mm-hmm. like especially when you're first getting into art and making art, you're not really sure exactly what you want to do with it. Yeah, it, it can be it can be frustrating a lot of times, and you know, especially with young artists, it's so common for us to compare ourselves yeah. to artists that we are personally inspired by. Right. And I, I really think so. It's important to just remember it, it takes so much time to get to where you want to be in the end, and and there is no end. You know, as soon as yeah. you accomplish you know, what you're striving towards. It's like, okay, well, I did that. Now on to the next thing. And right. so it's yeah. just constant, you know, seeking out what exactly it is you want to learn. Yeah, it keeps changing and morphing, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it keeps slipping through my hands. As soon as you think you find the thing, it's like, uh, and there it goes. Okay, yeah. who, who am I and what do I want to do now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, man, yeah, like kind of like touching on that looking back at my work, my work has changed so much. Like I I definitely would consider myself somewhat of a series painter. Um, so I tend to work in groups of paintings where I'll kind of like go on a particular topic or subject matter and I'll do that for a while. Mm -hmm. And until I've really extended pretty much all that I can do with that and then I'll kind of move on. But there's if you looked if you were to look back at like the different years of my work you would think that there's probably like at least five different artists in there mm-hmm. because you know just the difference in like the evolution and that's that's goes for a lot of people um it's not always the best route because you know there is this thing with like branding and yeah. even it's important <laughs> i guess mm-hmm. if, especially if you want to sell your work um to a particular audience and there's some risk that can happen when you do totally change like if you have like an audience that really loves your work and they follow you and they love what you do and then you just totally nope not doing that anymore I'm, on I'm onto this thing yeah like that was definitely something i was kind of worried about especially with this new body of work i'm doing because it is very, um, it's a lot darker than mm. my previous work. And it's a lot more um, emotionally filled. And a lot of my other work was a little more like free-flowing, brightly colored, not too much deep meaning, but like a certain subject matter. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it can, I don't know. I think the evolution of anybody's art is really important. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't especially in art school, um, they tend to, you, you know, you need to develop a style mm. and try to maintain that. Mm. The idea mm-hmm. of maintaining the same style the rest of my life, I feel like for me, you know, not to say that it's not the right path for somebody else mm-hmm. because I think it does work for a lot of people. But for me personally, if I did the same type of 
making, you know, art making the rest of my life, I feel like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, there's no Mm -hmm. room for growth. Like, am I just painting the same way because I've been doing this my whole life or is there something more that I can investigate and continue with? Right. Well, yeah. Well, well, there's, uh, there's definitely examples of people who like change up their style and still maintain like a fan base. I was just thinking about like David Bowie, like every album he put out Mm -hmm. was a little bit different than Mm -hmm. the last one. Um, especially like if you look at it, you know, even the fly, the Concords have that little Bowie skit about, are you eighties Bowie? Are you Ziggy (laughs) Stardust? And, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's important to change too. Um, because like evolution is, I think it's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. And you're always changing as a being and you're, what you're paying attention to in yourself or in the world as that changes and, uh, yeah, however creativity want, wants to manifest through your meat vehicle, and it needs to be honored, you know, or else, like, you're not right. doing you're not doing your job as an artist. You're like missing right. out on a lot of things. I feel like. And so, so what are you depicting with your latest series? With the, okay, like, with so, your latest work, yeah. So this body of work is very emotional based, uh, very personal. Um, So I'll go back a little bit, a little bit of my history, because I think it's important to start from where it really began. And I've often gone back and forth about, you know, telling my story, telling my truth, being authentic, um, because it's a very vulnerable place where especially this body of work comes from. Um, I've never made art quite like this. Um, and I should note, like, there could be a little trigger warning So for anyone listening. but So going back, um, it really goes back to my childhood, where this is all coming from. Um, so my parents were extremely young when they had me. My mother was 17 when she got pregnant with me, and my father was a few years older than her. And I grew up um, pretty low income, pretty, like, um, pretty poor upbringing and my parents had to work a lot and so there was a lot of time when they were working and my my mother was a waitress my father was a custodian at the grade school that I went to and so there was a lot of that time when um there was a family member that pretty much uh took care of me at that time and this person abused me for many many years um pretty much time I can remember youngest age probably three up until about third grade when I started actively trying to get that changed. Mm -hmm. And so back then when I, I'm an adult now and I can kind of reflect on being a child, um, I spent a lot of time alone in my room and I would just like draw almost like, like compulsively I would draw and I would paint and, you know, I would cut up old clothing and, make outfits for my stuffed animals and I would live in this like imaginative world that I was creating visually Mm -hmm. and you know to my parents it looked like oh she loves making art but I think like the psychology behind that was probably more so geared towards I was using my imagination to exit my reality Mm -hmm. that was extremely dark extremely traumatic daily yeah. Um, through those, through those years, those pivotal years as a child, um, I was really fortunate 
back then though, because, because my father was a custodian at the school that I went to, I had an endless supply of art supplies my entire childhood because at the end of every school year, kids would leave their supplies behind with the teachers and then the teachers all knew that my dad had kids at home. And so my dad would come home at the end of each year with these giant tubs and giant boxes of everything like glue sticks, you know, paint brushes, colored pencils, watercolors, like basically anything you can think of. I had an endless supply and it was something I really looked forward to at the end of each year um, to just like really just like dive in and keep doing it. And so I was like really addicted to all of that. Um, and then, you know, that continued, you know, like a lot of kids draw and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I had some other events happen um, in my childhood uh, when I was 11 my um, grandmother was going on a trip and I was supposed to go with her and it was a few days after Christmas. And me and my brother had just gotten Nintendo 64 yeah. and GoldenEye. <laughs> and so oh, we were just like, we we're just playing that nonstop. And uh, my grandmother called me to ask if I was ready to go with her. And I totally lied to her. I said, well, I forgot I was going to, go hang out with my friend tonight and I was going to go stay at her house and which wasn't true. I really just, you, you know, just I felt bad Golden telling Eye. her. Yeah. I felt <laughs> bad telling her that I just wanted to play video games. And so that night I actually did go stay the night at that friend's house though, but her brother and her also got the game. So we were planning on playing it. And, um, well, my grandmother was killed in a car accident that night. And so there was, you know, the 11 year old mind was like, oh, my gosh, like if I would have been with her, she wouldn't have died. And so I had I put a lot of blame on myself and, you know, like went into like, you know, I never told anybody, you Mm. know, all the things that happened when I was a child. And I just kind of like held all of that in and it manifested in like deep depression Mm. and So again, like I kept just like pushing the art, like when I was alone and like in my own headspace. And when when I was a kid, there was a lot of teachers who obviously knew something was wrong. You know, I was I was a really good student. Um, They had no complaints other than I didn't talk. Mm. I was pretty much I remember in like kindergarten, first grade, pretty much mute. Um, And they noticed that you know teachers like pick up on things like that, and they would say things to my parents. There were so many times I wanted, I imagined myself talking to my teacher and telling her, you know, these things that were happening and, but I never did. And I just held it all in and just, it kept manifesting into like, you know, this dark cloud until I was in third grade when I just, you know, I kept, so on top of like the abuse that I was going through, she was also a very mean person. And so you know, bossed me and my brother around all the time and like made us do all these things for her. And so both me and my brother actually talked to my parents repeatedly, like, you know, she's mean to us and things like that. And eventually my dad reached out to a coworker who had a daughter who um, was wanting a babysitting job. And so she actually started babysitting me and her name was Melissa. And I 100% can say that she was the first human angel to come into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just the most amazing, caring uh, person that I I ever could have had come into my life at that time. And she was also an artist. 
Mm-hmm. And she would bring home her projects from school and she would work on them, especially on Fridays, so that she could work on them over the weekend. And she was constantly drawing portraits and working on these like small sculptures. And I would just try to mimic her. I would look at her drawings and I would try to copy them and as best as I could. And so that was really great having her come in. But, you know, I still like I never got help for the things that I went through when I was so young. And so it's like all this kept manifesting. And then going into high school, you get into like all the hormones that contribute to your mood and things like that. And so, you know, having gone through all of that, it sent me into, you know, I got into art in high school as well. I had a really great art teacher that was really supportive and encouraging. Um, But I also developed a really, really, really bad, like, eating disorder that lasted for years. And it was kind of like a manifestation of how I was coping with everything I had just internalized. And so during that time, what got me through that was really starting to get into art and realizing, so I was 15 Mm -hmm. at the time, and I really started getting into art and drawing portraits to where I became addicted to it. And I would just do portrait after portrait after portrait. And it helped me. I was still dealing with all of these things, but it definitely helped carry me into realizing, you know, I really wanted to pursue art Mm -hmm. as a pathway. And yeah, so I think the pivotal time in my life when I started to really just kind of address these things was in my early twenties. Uh, when I moved out of my parents' house and decided to take that first break away from college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I did, I kind of had like this like break where I just, I couldn't take anymore, came out to my family and I can't say that it went well. Um, <laughs> it's honestly, a couple of years ago I saw a podcast with, uh, Joe Rogan and he had Duncan Trussell on and Duncan actually really said something that resonated wholeheartedly. I saw you look at John. Sorry about that, John. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> By the way, Thank a little you. segue there. Really. Oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah. John just but, missed hanging well, out with Duncan Trussell for people who don't know. Uh, yeah. Just by this much. Just by But hair. it'll come again. I yeah, mean, it will. It, for it sure. has to. Right? Duncan, if you're yeah, listening. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. But, but yeah, anyway. but it was Duncan. Uh, who said this and um, it, man when he said it it just like hit me uh, at my core because what he had said is that a lot of times when children will go through these things where they're abused as children and they don't say anything to family and they get older and then they do uh, basically what he said was a lot of times they don't get the support that they would expect mm. from the family and the reasoning behind that is that when you break up the family dynamic, mm. that becomes harder yeah. for the family to deal with, mm-hmm. knowing this information yeah. to where they're almost like mad at the person who it happened to for even saying anything. Uh, and so that's kind yeah. of that's kind of what I went through. And so there was this like, you know, feeling of kind of like abandonment and must be a just, very lo- um, lonely feeling. Yeah, you know, just like being vulnerable and like, you know, finally like reaching out and it had been so many years, you know, but it was something that like affected me my entire life. 
And so that was really difficult. But there was a combination of three things. Because at that time, I, I still had the depression. I still had that eating disorder that was killing me. Mm. Um, what saved me, really, truly, was that you know, I was making the art that I wanted to for mm -hmm. the first time. And so it was like I was totally inspiring myself by working on that music, that painting I worked on when I was working all of those hours. Mm -hmm. I was also first getting into yoga. And so that was a total like totally shifting my mind and mm -hmm. thought patterns and starting to like work on my body. And it yeah. was a healing process in itself. Mm -hmm. And then also um, smoking cannabis for the first time because up <laughs> until that point in my early 20s, I had never done anything. I was a perfectionist. You know, I never wanted to, you know, disappoint my family. So I never partied. Like I, ne I, mm. I, you know, I would drink every now and then, but I never like went crazy. Yeah. And, you know, when I started doing that, the last thing I wanted to do, especially when I was smoking cannabis for the first time, like the last thing I wanted to do was any kind of harm mm -hmm. to my body right. and to myself. And it really was like a checkpoint. It was like, I was checking myself, like, you don't have to do any of this. And it was like, almost like this, like guidance mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. Um, and so totally, I feel like I could chop my life into like two definitive segments where it's like my life before the healing began and mm -hmm. then my life after. Yeah. And so, so then, going into this, um, this new series I'm doing, my work previously has been, and when I was a child, going back to that whole, like, just diving into the imaginary, where I can avoid my reality, avoid my feelings by creating these beautiful images mm -hmm. of worlds that I would like, I could see myself living in, and, you know, nothing could go wrong. And so now, you know, especially, um, this past May, I had a pretty pivotal um, like realization mm -hmm. um, and new information that came to me um, about myself and who I am. And it's really got me thinking about how our environment um, can really truly shape who we are and who we become. And I started thinking about my past and the person I am and how I have come to terms with everything that happened to me and I'm proud of who I've become, even though I went through all of these, you know, adversity mm -hmm. and, um, and just becoming like to the point where, you know, it's okay. But then this new information that I found out has me like spinning in circles cause it's, you know, this information is telling me, wait, it didn't have to happen. And so it's like, you know, it's like you come to terms with something that was so hard and then mm -hmm. you suddenly realize that, oh, wow, because of this chance thing that came up, it's like, yeah. So it's like it's just brought me into this like whirlwind of like I have to address this. Mm -hmm. And so basically what I'm doing now with these paintings is I am addressing trauma, but not just my trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, the trauma of so many and as a society we're kind of you know we're trained to ignore mental health and we're trained to suppress and to not come forward and to not um speak out and it is very scary to do so you know mm -hmm. it's vulnerable and it's 
it's, it's hard. It's really hard, but it's so important because for people like me who have been through these things, when you hear other people talk about it and talk about their background, especially people you might look up to writers, musicians, like me personally, when I hear about all these people who have been through things like this, um, it's empowering for the individual because yeah. you're not so alone in your own, exactly. you know, your right. own space. Mm-hmm. And so, and so these are things I'm addressing in these paintings. And so my models that I'm choosing are all people who have been through significant trauma in their lives. And mm-hmm. I'm purposely making a point to leave out their identities. And so if I do have a portrait I'm only putting part of the face mm-hmm. and having these figures move in and out of the canvas in such a way to where um, the narrative is ambiguous enough to where people can connect to it in their own way. And it's mm-hmm. not totally direct. Um, my models include, you know, not just people who have endured these experiences in their personal life, but people in the workforce. And so I'm taking into consideration like police officers, Mm -hmm. firefighters, EMTs, paramedics, like first responders, people who see this in their daily lives. It is, it is something that we don't often think about and how powerful it can be to, you know, our bodies and our minds are, you know, everything all encompassing. And so I'm just, with these works, they're far more um, driven by intention um, mm-hmm. compared to a lot of my previous work. And it's harder to talk about these because it is coming from that personal space. But it is the most authentic work that I've ever done. Yeah. And I think it's important to do this work right now because Absolutely. there are so many people we all have our personal traumas, you know, some worse than others, but mm-hmm. that doesn't make it any less significant for the individual because it's, that's their reality. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, I'm really trying to make these paintings, um, as emotional. So I have like over dramatic, like gestures of the hands and positioning and thing like, things like that to just kind of like, so people can connect to it mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to necessarily you know what I mean? Because like, yeah. I think that one of the hardest things for me is I love painting figures, but I I don't like narrative art, mm. which is this huge conundrum because yeah. if you paint a figure, there's automatically some kind of narrative that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I think the struggle and like kind of like something to strive towards for me in these works is to have these figures in an atmospheric background or an atmospheric plane Mm -hmm. to where it's not just like a figure painted in a cafe or looking Mm. sad or something Mm -hmm. like that. Instead, it's these figures kind of moving in and out of the canvas to where, you know, it's not just handing it to Mm -hmm. the the audience and it's letting, allowing the audience to connect in their way. Yeah. There's, there's mystery and you can feel an emotion and it's, it points towards you know, the, the larger phenomenon of happening as a whole and that, you know, trauma and difficulty happens as you take this human form, you know, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's important work. You know, a lot of times, a lot of us shoot right past the personality to like the divine or the transcendent. And uh, yeah, it can be, it can be easy to just overlook like the pain we all go through 
and, and stopping mm-hmm. to address it and work with that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to, and to be creative with it and, and bring the light to these difficult topics, you know, so we can address right. it and hopefully move on, you know? Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm really inspired too, because I have a child of my own. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm really starting to think about all of this and, um, just like trying to create work that is more, I guess, like less just like fun. And I'm trying to create mm-hmm. work that's more impactful. And I'm, I'm thinking about things differently. Yeah. Now that I have my daughter, I'm thinking about like, what kind of work can I make that could really touch somebody else and really help them in mm-hmm. some way? Right. And, you know, being an, being an artist, like any of us, we have the opportunity to really just um, influence in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really what I'm trying to do right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're helping create a, a better, more open world for like your daughter to grow up in mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. these will spark conversations that, that need to happen, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about um, the hands in your work. Uh, is there any embedded like significance in those hands in particular because and by the way um also i wanted to compliment you on your new body of work um i don't think i got to say that yet and i just wanted to say it and yeah you've you've really like leveled up over the past couple years and it's great to see that thanks yeah so the hands i feel like okay so portraits right like we can tell how somebody feels based on the expression or like the overall tone of like body language and like the posture Mm -hmm. I feel like hands like when you're taking all of that away when you remove the identity and I feel like the most expressive part of the body is in the hands you know through gesture and so that's kind of why I've been focusing on hands and these in these paintings because I feel like you can translate highly emotional, uh, content through that, Mm -hmm. through that. So I, I really, I've really been trying to get better. Like, and I've been like reworking different processes too and different techniques to see what works out the best. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's been really fun to see like the evolution and like how, you know, learning all these different techniques. So, you know, man, just like, you know, technique mixed, which is Miche technique basically, mm-hmm. is something I learned from Javier Chavera when I was at Governor State University. Um, but the style that he taught was so incredibly toxic. Um, all the chemicals involved uh, that he learned from, from his professor who was French and came straight out of like the Flemish technique. And so they were like, man, just like all the solvents and chemicals. And I eventually, um, I told myself there has to be another way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's when I saw the work that Amanda Sage was doing. Yeah. And so I stopped taking the classes with Javier and I took a workshop with Amanda. And so I learned like her method, which mm-hmm. is, it's the same thing. It's just like using different mediums right. overall. And so kind of, um, so with some of these paintings with the hands, I've been doing that. I've been starting with like the grisaille underpainting, starting black and white, and then working in layers over top of that. But then also taking into consideration like uh, there's certain benefits you can get with the quality and figure doing like an ala prima style. 
Yeah. So I've been kind of combining those two styles together to create like dimension and depth to where you're still getting those like, you know, the depth perception between, because there's a huge difference when you do like that underpainting comparatively to just straight in with the pigment. Yeah. Because it's the way the light transfers through and comes back out. But yeah, I've been, I've been having fun with it. It's, it's <laughs> been a really good <laughs> they're like, learning experience. They're like, uh, it almost looks like you're creating these like emotional mudras or something with the hands. Yeah. 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 Like the, the one over <laughs> your right shoulder where the person's kind of doing this, um, it looks mm-hmm. like they're like charging. Yeah. It looks like they're like yeah. charging up or like creating, like, like they could have a big like... clay ball in their hand or something. Like they're creating <laughs> something. Chi ball, bro. Yeah. It's like uh, some Dragon Ball Z reference. Dude, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are not the first to nice. actually bring that up about that painting. It's not exactly what I'm going for. So yeah, maybe I, I mean, need it to definitely work says, out that one a little bit. <laughs> it says way more about me and my you know, yeah. middle school years than it does about <laughs> your painting. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, so to me, like, I'll just go ahead and go off on this, but it seems like hands are the things that create the world along, along with our words and our minds and our intentions. And it, that all just seems to be kind of like coalescing in a lot of your work. And, um, so like, you know how, I mean, I'm using my hand to talk right now. Um, so don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, well, they're, they're what puts like you know yeah. even though, like the yeah, mind. Hands are important. Yeah, like the mind comes up with the ideas, you know, but how we physically manipulate the world yeah. is with the hand. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like the manifestation of action mm-hmm. in the world, <laughs> and it's the very thing that you use to make the painting. So it's kind of like meta thing. I don't know. <laughs> Good job is what I'm trying to say. Thanks. Very nice. So, I think. I'm thinking the next one I do, I'm going to move on to legs, oh. legs and feet. So cool. see what kind of like intense emotion I can bring out oh, in that way. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we tend to carry things like in our body, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, emotions especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's actually a point I hadn't thought about. That's yeah, truly, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if, um, my cousin does like myofascial release therapy Mm. and a lot of her clients have like been through like traumas and things like that. And so she'll work on their like specific body parts based on where like that trauma has like kind of sat, you know, it could have been like a a physical injury, like a car accident or something like that. And she'll, you know, really focus and hone into those areas where, you know, you know, if you, if you're someone that has a lot of anxiety, for example, like it might, manifest within the body and your like shoulders and your mm. upper you know and so it's like that's years yeah years and years yeah. pretty much a lot of people i'd yeah. say most people are like you do uh, like crow pose and yoga and you're like oh i have t- 12 years of anxiety in this right hip yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. totally yeah yeah and so yeah it's like going back to the paintings it's like we don't really um a lot of people like you don't address it you know it's like a lot of people aren't getting the help that they need in those realms and a lot of it you know not to get like all political but like a lot of it does have to do with our healthcare system and not having the means to you know take care of ourselves in the way that is best for us mm-hmm. right 
So your mom, mm-hmm. how has that informed? Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. <laughs> and like, how has that informed you as a being and as an artist? So it was a total surprise, actually. <laughs> I had never, <laughs> I had never planned uh, to have children. I didn't really ever foresee that in my life. And it's kind of just because of who I am as a person, you know, mm-hmm. I like traveling all the time and being an artist and like totally, I love spontaneity and being able to do whatever I want at the drop of the hat. And so I never, ever, ever thought I would have a child. And then, um, a couple years ago I got a surprise. And so it was kind of like, it was really interesting because when I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter, I, the reaction I had was nothing like I ever would have thought. Um, like I always thought like, Oh my gosh, that would be the worst thing ever. Like (laughs) if I found out I was pregnant, Oh my God, like my life is over. (laughs) Everything is ruined. Um, but I was actually, it was, I was very okay in the moment, even though it was like huge, like what? Like, I can't believe this. Um, but at the same time it was almost calming. It, mm. it was, um, it's really hard to explain other than like, I felt really calm mm-hmm. in the moment. And I was, I had a lot of anxiety still though, you know, really nervous about, um, how is this going to change me as not just an artist, but also as a person Yeah. and, you know, having her, it's definitely changed my life in a lot of ways, but not in the ways that I thought, uh, in a lot of aspects, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm still making art. And honestly, I'm making more art than oh, I made yeah. before her because I'm so much more appreciative of mm-hmm. the time that I have. And so, you know, if like, yeah, I know I have like these six hours right now, it's like, I'm not just gonna be lazy, you know, you know, scrolling on Facebook, mm-hmm. wasting my time, not really watching TV, not really like, Oh, I have, you know, nothing to hurry up for. I have no reason to just like go into my work. But now that I have my daughter, it's like, okay, I have this amount of time. Mm -hmm. I go full force into what I can accomplish in that amount of time. And so not only am I painting more, you know, I can't paint whenever I want to, but in the time that I have available, I'm spending more hours in my studio. I'm spending more times working on my art. And I have more intention. Mm -hmm. And so when I am working, I know exactly what I'm going to do. You know, before I would just like, oh, I'm just going to do the paint this right now over here. And then tomorrow I'll maybe do this and, you know, decide, oh, I don't really like that. And so what it's done for me, it's helped me visually, like really think about what it is I want to accomplish Mm -hmm. and whatever piece of work I'm creating. And so when I do go into the studio and I do start working, I know what I'm going to do before I get there. And I am really honing in. And I think my art, Andrew, you saw my work before I had Mm -hmm. my daughter. My work is, man, it has evolved so much in such a short amount of time. It sure has. And And it's had to because it's so crazy like thinking about it because you know it's like prior to having her you know I was just kind of like oh just like free like (laughs) I don't really have to concentrate too much I can just like you know 
do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, I can't just do whatever I want. I only have so much time. And so the time is more focused, more centered, um, more, um, intentional and deliberate in my application. And so it's, it's honestly, she's helped me become a better artist. And she's also helped me, uh, become a better artist in terms of like subject matter Mm -hmm. and starting to really consider what it is I'm painting and Mm -hmm. trying to say more with my work and trying to create work that's more meaningful Mm -hmm. in the end. And not to say that like every painting has to be like, Oh, it's gotta be super meaningful and like help people. And it's not like that, but it's, I'm definitely thinking about these things more. And I think it's overall, it's made me a better, a better artist. And I think a more patient uh, person Mm -hmm. and, you know, being somebody like me who is so spontaneous, I, I, you know, I love just get up and go, just do whatever I want. I can't necessarily do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like learning to be okay with that and, since I have her now, I don't always just want to do that anyways, because I want to take, I want to spend time with her and help her evolve and grow and learn. And it, it's been a really great experience and something that I didn't expect. Um, it's been really great. It, Mm. yeah. <laughs> it's hard to put into words, I'm sure. I mean, that's yeah, cool. That's it, a cool it, answer. It really is. Yeah, because uh, like, I want to have a kid at some, you know, in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there yeah. It, there is that fear, but you start realizing like it would. It seems like it probably just holds you accountable, fills your life with more love and an intention, which is like the name of the game anyway. Right. So. Yeah. For, for sure. No. Yeah, and and not to say that like. You can't have that without yeah. having children. Yeah. It's just different. Mm-hmm. It's it's like an add-on. It's yeah. like a bonus. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like it's something else. You know, it's like it didn't like it doesn't diminish like any love or any anything you had prior. It's mm-hmm. just it's something else that's yeah. added on to what already pre existed. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely something that I totally could not have expected to happen. And, um, I am so appreciative of her and everything. Has she shown any interest in art? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, she loves coloring with Mm. markers. Nice. And, you know, she can do it for a short amount of time before I have to kind of step in and take them away. Cause she starts, Oh, look at, you know, she draws on her legs Sometimes I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Maybe she's going to be a tattoo artist. Yeah. Tattoo artist right yeah. there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, let's take a break. She's really uh, musical. So nice. like, cool. she loves to kind of like drum on some things. And we have tons of instruments in our house. And she plays, uh, like she strums the ukulele and she loves dancing. And so I could, I could actually see her getting into that more oh, yeah. at, at least right now i mean she's only like a year and a half so mm, yeah <laughs> never really know so you're um like uh so you want do you want to become a, like a college professor teacher yes yes i always have wanted that mm-hmm. um but i mean so i took like all those years off and like during those years i was traveling and 
selling my work in the music festival scene. And that was a really great experience. And sometimes like, you know, sometimes it gets overwhelming because, you know, I'm 32 and I, I still don't have my teaching degree and I could have had it all those years ago had I just gone straight through college. Yeah, but you had and that sometimes, real world experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was able to connect with so many people and, you know, share my work with like the world and mm-hmm. like, you know, do some events uh, nationally and internationally. And art really helped me like travel and like meet people. And I didn't have that when I was a kid. Like I didn't ever get to travel and things like that. So art has really just been this like light in my life. Mm-hmm. And what makes me, I think, want to teach, um, I mean, it, honestly, it probably has something to do with my location. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm in the Midwest. There's, I don't have a lot of opportunity that a lot of other people have. Um, you know, like it's not the same, mm-hmm. like with what you guys have in right. Colorado and, you know, places like Asheville and, you know, Miami and places where there's these huge art hubs where there's a lot of people with a lot of expendable cash that can spend money on artwork. And mm-hmm. so I think like that's definitely a part of it. Um, wanting to have a job that is secure and I can teach, but I think it's also, I really want to get in there and just be able to inspire um, other future teachers and also be able to share my experience with them and explain to them like there is no one path to getting where you are. And so Mm. if going straight through, you know, K through 12 and then straight into college and finishing your degree, if that's not the way to go for you, take a chance take a break, travel. I think traveling is so important. Um, you learn so much, especially if you travel alone. Like I've had some experiences where, um, traveling alone has been so scary. Um, but then after you do it, you kind of, it's like, if you're playing a video game, you kind of level up Mm -hmm. a little bit in life because you have these experiences where you just, you know, you went to a foreign country where, you couldn't necessarily speak the language, mm-hmm, but right. having been there and not just like, and having to survive based on what you know and what you can like make out of it. And then also, tra- especially when you travel to countries that are impoverished, you get this perspective that you wouldn't have gotten if you just stayed in your hometown or wherever you are in America or any country when you go to these other locations and you witness people and like you make connections and you see the way that others live, I think that that can help you appreciate what you have. And I know, for example, when I went to uh, Costa Rica and I was an artist there and I stayed there for a month and like I had so many experiences where that country is so poor. Like they don't have anything. Mm -hmm. You know, there, a lot of these people have dirt floors, tin roofs, but they are so happy. Mm. And everybody that I met while I was there, um, just like always a smile, you know, and just so happy. And then comparing that to when I came home after being there for a month, came back to America and I had culture shock coming home, like (laughs) culture shock, like, (laughs) coming back home like for my own country because just being flooded like first at the airport you know going through like TSA 
people complaining that they had to stand in line. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Seems so trivial. Country yeah. Where, yeah. where people are making like barely $2 an hour and can barely support themselves financially and feed themselves, but they're so happy. And yeah. they had like seemingly no care in the world. And it, it just the perspective shift, it, it really like, you know, coming back here was really difficult for me. And as soon as I got home, I wanted to go back and mm-hmm. just uh, <laughs> live that life. And uh, I don't know. I think I, I want to encourage my students to maybe do that, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know. Maybe isn't the best for <laughs> university setting because yeah. <laughs> they want the students to stay. <laughs> yeah. But I do. I do want to be that kind of um, that inspiration for people and that realm that you know sometimes taking a break is good yeah uh for your own personal growth and development yeah that's being a true teacher in the sense of the word right you know like a a divine teacher like hey get out of here (laughs) (laughs) get up and get up and uh, do something Mm -hmm. yeah and then also like helping those law students who are in those art classes that are in there because they don't know what else to do like hey like do you want to teach? Like, mm-hmm. are you here because you want to teach? And like, if they say no, I'd be like, maybe you should get out of here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Save some money. Like, I know this cool <laughs> girl, Amanda Sage, go take her class. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's all these workshops. There's like all these, you know, like podcasts and things like that. Mm-hmm. They can, there's all these other alternatives that might be better suited for you. Yeah. Um, I would love to teach workshops too. I think, I think mm-hmm. that would be a really, that seems a good, more fun. A, yeah. I mean. Yeah. And just like, you know, taking like, I love school. So it's like, I'm like, there's this like duality I have where it's like, I see, I can see the flaws and I can recognize that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I love school and I, I yeah. I'll probably be a student forever. Like mm-hmm. even when I'm teaching, I'll probably be working on another degree. Yeah. And I just love it so much. But you know, at the same time, I, I love workshops because you can get an insane amount of knowledge crammed in to mm-hmm. one week. Yeah, and right. that's really all you need. Like you need that one week hone in, um, in your development and whatever it is you're trying to learn. Whereas like in school, it's like really spaced out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's positives and you know, minuses to both methods, but yeah, it's just, it's just like, you know, a lot of artists, I don't think, know exactly what mm-hmm. they want. Right. A lot of people don't know what they want, mm-hmm. not just artists. So it's like, I think it's just you got to find it. You just got to. Well, it's like, yeah, like who do you look up to and who are, who are you attracted to? And then go find those people. See what they yeah. have to say. Or they'll come find you if you're putting out the signal strong enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, yeah. You, you know, art workshops for me changed my life. I took an art workshop with Randall Roberts. I took one with Chris Dyer and they taught me, I think more than school could have ever taught me, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm not the most studious being. And, and <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, depending on your personality, right? Like some people are very studious, like studious, creative people right. and the school environment is perfect for them. You mm-hmm. just got to know yourself. I yeah. feel like yeah, yeah. the more yeah. You, of yourself that you know, the probably the easier life is going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, switching like sure. 180, let's talk about um, the festival art culture. And so you're a, you're like a gallery director, right? Or a live painter <laughs> coordinator? Yeah. So I'm gallery director slash live art coordinator. 
for summer camp music festival. Cool. What's that like? Illinois. (laughs) So I actually, I just took over last year. So, um, I was actually a featured artist at summer camp for a few years, uh, 2014 and 15. And then I believe again in 16, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, prior to that, um, do you, I don't know if you guys, maybe Andrew, you might know, uh, Tim coffee. He's this, he used to run aura when that Mm -hmm. festival was still happening, but he was the old art, art director. And so worked with him when I was just like an artist there. And then, uh, Steven Teller, he was, he took over for Tim. And so he, he really made some great changes while he was there at summer camp, like really getting the gallery to look a lot more professional. Shouts. Um, Shouts. Yeah. <laughs> shouts, yeah, Steven. Big, big, big shouts ups. to Steven Teller. He's amazing and one of my favorite people to work with. Uh, it just, man, he's just, he can get anything done. It's like you say something that needs done, he, Steven's on it. Or he was already on it and he's like mm-hmm. fixing it. Uh, yeah, Steven's great. Um, but I took over for Steven, um, you know, after he decided to leave that position and And so, you know, it's like I'm still learning because I just I stepped in last year, kind of somewhat last minute. And so I'm still trying to really um, get that all going and trying to find ways to make the experience better for artists um, overall. Um, I don't think that festival has been. So this year is the 20th anniversary. Oh, wow. And I didn't know it was that old. Yeah. Going on that long. Yeah, it's a, it's a tw- it's 20 years this year. And I don't know that they've had artists for all that long. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm really trying to work on finding ways in which we can make the experience overall better for artists. And so, you know, kind of like in my experience of live painting as an artist prior to this position, um trying to look at what works for other events that I've been a part of Mm -hmm. and how we can kind of learn from those events and kind of adapt or mimic those to where, um, the experience can be better overall. Right on. So what do you, I'm just curious, like being in the academic side of art and then seeing the free for all of (laughs) festival art, like what, uh-huh. what maybe like what do you see is maybe lacking or you wish you could introduce or have be embraced in this free for all psychedelic culture of art like overall yeah what could be embraced about it or yeah. improved maybe yeah like yeah where do you see like improvement could come in um for summer camps specifically or just, just any just festivals or and just in general just psychedelic parties and painting in general <laughs> man what kind of improvements i think it would be all relative to the location and yeah. like what those locations are trying to do i mean really um every experience that i've been a part of uh locationally has been really great in their own way and I think as like an artist who has taken part in a lot of different music festivals over the year, like going back to 2008 until now, um, you start to see kind 
design and like modeling and like you start to see what works and doesn't work. Mm. And so I think that as time goes on, there's going to be a lot more, um, I think artists are getting more recognition that they deserve. And Mm. I think that what can improve is for more festivals to start to look at these artists and these, um, performance painters as that Mm -hmm. and not separate from say the musicians at these festivals. And I think taken a little more seriously, especially people who have been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh Oh, we may have lost you. Um, Artists who have a lot of experience in live painting and this is their profession. And so I think some improvements could be just like, really taking that into consideration. And I think it's happening. I think that um, there's proof in like festivals that artists as such and not um, treating them as just, you know, another attendee that just happens to be painting Yeah, as well. Exactly. Sure. sure. Yeah, we've been kind of grooving on that idea as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, hard, it's hard to make it uh, sustainable sometimes. Um, and then sometimes, you know, you get lucky as an artist, as a, like a live painter. Um, and you, you show up to a place and, uh, you have like a life changing weekend mm-hmm. that's like fulfilling, not just emotionally and mentally, but also like physically and financially as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky thing because I know that everybody's strapped with a, a budget from their higher ups. Can you hear us? Uh, I don't know if she can hear us. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. We're just riffing on that a bit. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Well, uh, the frozen screen makes you look very concerned. Yeah. There we go. Hey. <laughs> Are we back? I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, I just kind of went off about, uh, you know, how sometimes you have a a good um, festival weekend, but then other times it can not be so great. Um, Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is it working? Uh Uh-oh. She just messaged me saying the connection's lost. I can hear you guys. Oh, sweet. Okay. You can hear us. So are, we'll are, just, I can hear you. Yes. Are I, we back? Yeah, we're back. I think so. <laughs> I don't back. know. We're doing it live. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, okay. So where, um, where did I get cut off there? I don't know. Where, what did you okay. hear me say last? I just rambled there for a little bit. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. I think I was in the middle of talking how I would like to see the artists start to, uh, be treated more like the the musicians at these sure, events and sure, taken yeah. a little a little a little more seriously and because uh, we work really really hard um, uh-huh. you know outside of like a musician they show up they play their set might be an hour two hours long depending on you know the festival and their time slot mm-hmm. and then they leave we are there for the duration you know yeah. we are there sometimes a lot of times before the festival begins mm-hmm. and we put in a lot of time and work. And then for those of us who also have jobs outside of our art, because mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot of us need that, right? Uh, we're taking that time off 
from our jobs as well to be dedicated to these events. And I think for artists who have a lot of experience that have been doing this for a lot of years, we deserve that because that is one of our professions is, mm. you know, showing up to these events, creating a performance art for people to watch, right. um, to sell our work, to share our work and our thoughts and ideas. And, and it's so interactive, you know, a lot mm. of times, sometimes musicians will do like a meet and greet sometimes after their performance, but for the most part, they play their set, they leave. Um, we are, it's full, you know, we have a meet and greet the whole time, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and pretty I, much. You know, totally, <laughs> totally like, uh, and it's free too. <laughs> yeah. And some, sometimes depending on the situation, maybe unwanted. Uh, mm. I've, I have a lot of crazy, uh, experiences at festivals. It can and, be a lot. Uh, I, I can imagine to, um, yeah, just yeah. for like a, just differences in like male and female live painters, um, we all know yeah. dudes are generally creeps. Yeah, I'm sure you get like, a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of <laughs> clinging on creepers. Oh man, dude! So I have this friend that like I like to call him Mojo Security. Shouts to Fig. I'll what have up, to Fig? tell him Shouts. to listen to this Shouts. so he can get that shout. But uh, yeah, so like I okay on Andrew. So mm-hmm. Rootwire. Uh, what year was that? It was like maybe 2015. Okay, yeah. so I. You know, prior to this, like, obviously you have, like, you know, creepy people, sometimes, like, super, you know, who knows what they're taking, you know, they come up to you, but, like, I never had anyone, like, really scare me, but uh, the root wire that year, um, I was actually, I had the situation where uh, I was walking to go assess the stage, it was before Tipper was playing, and I was Mm -hmm. basically going to scout out a spot that I wanted to set up. And so this is like 4 PM, like bright, sunny middle of the day. Uh, and I found the spot I wanted. I didn't have any of my gear with me. And so I was walking back. Um, at the time I, I was traveling a lot with a, a performance troupe. We pretty much vended art, clothing, intrinsic arts mm-hmm. shouts, uh, Shout, shouts, <laughs> so i was walking back to our vending tent where all my art supplies were and so on my way back um in like the field before you got to vendor row there was this guy who was like just looks like an average like festival goer smiling having a good time he was by himself um like i don't know probably like 15 to 20 feet away from me and just started like sprinting like my direction yikes and uh he i thought he saw a friend you know you see Mm -hmm. friends at festival he's like hey you get excited like run up to him um but he ran right at me and took both of his hands and as hard as you can physically clap your hands together did that to my ears and so totally like threw my equilibrium off yikes he dug his he dug his nails into my like head, pulled my face in, started kissing me, Ugh. and I was frozen, like totally thrown off. Like Jeez. my like my <clears throat> I could hear my heart beating in my ears because he had hit me so hard. And finally, I just like started punching him in the stomach, <laughs> and he let go, and he just had this like huge like smile on his face, and I was like, oh, this guy is like really messed up, and. 
he turned away from me and started like prancing like back and forth like towards Bender Row, the same direction I was going. <sighs> and these two girls were standing there and they saw the whole thing happen. And the girl uh, looked at me. She came up to me. She goes, do you know that guy? And I said, no. And uh, and she's like, are you OK? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not OK. And and I was like, but he can't be here. And so I just started sprinting like from behind him. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was like prepared to like tackle this guy and like get him down because like I knew he was going to hurt somebody else mm, right and so luckily as soon as I got to where the vendors were there was this woman on um, a golf cart running security and I flagged her down I said you gotta stop that guy he just attacked me in the field like he's messed up he's gonna hurt somebody like he needs he needs some help and so she radioed security so I'm still following the guy as he's like prancing like back and forth, like between vendor row and intrinsic arts where all my art was, was at the very corner. Okay. And at the corner, um, there was this ditch, like a, like a dip in the, like right before the gravel road. Mm -hmm. And then across the street from that was the gallery, the art gallery. And so as soon as he passed, like where my painting was set up, all my art supplies, he hit that ditch fell backwards, like gave himself a concussion and he was basically stuck on the ground. By that point, security was there and basically like went to him to make sure he was okay. And then to obviously like escort him to wherever they took him mm -hmm. afterwards. Um, but like, you know, they asked me, it's like, do you know this guy asking if it was a personal attack? And I said, no, I have never seen him before in my life. Um, and then, yeah, I was just totally like shook by that. Yeah. And I, Andrew, you must not remember because <laughs> I remember, I remember you telling me this story. So <laughs> I, so you were the first person I saw after this happened Aww. and I went into the gallery Your little and angel. I just like <laughs> broke down to you and I j like just told you like everything that had happened and you're just like, <laughs> you just listened to it all and then as soon as i was finished you were like uh i just took a couple doses uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> those were uh, um <laughs> yeah from and i just uh and i was like oh my god i'm so sorry i felt so terrible no it's okay and I was like, but it totally was like exactly what needed to happen yeah. after an event like that because it was like oh my god like this crazy thing just happened and then i just like <laughs> <laughs> poured it on you and then well just, that's like, what i was telling everyone uh, yeah <laughs> i was telling everyone that uh, that night because that was about all i could say um, <laughs> but yeah here's a little psa for everyone um keep if, your shit together keep your shit together if you take yeah, yeah. high doses of acid you better be uh, comfortable in that uh, in that area, or maybe do if it not, like at home. Yeah, yeah. If not, um, like have your <laughs> friends around you to like check yeah, you. you yeah, know? yeah. We all need babysitters sometimes, and um, yeah. I I don't know. More and more, I I don't really recommend. Uh, I'm old too, you know, but I don't <laughs> I don't really recommend like high doses at at complex social situations like a music festival. Right. 
I think. Did you ever find out what happened with that guy or anything? Afterwards, I did not. I just hope that he was okay. Yeah. I mean, it was obvious that he was not on this plane Mm -hmm. in the moment Mm -hmm. where all of it was happening. Like, he was in some other world at that point. And I don't know him, so I don't know how he is on his average day to day, but. Maybe he's listening. I think the important (laughs) part of, like, telling that story is that for other people who are in this scene, you know, is to not be afraid that something like that is going to happen. Because that's, like, a totally random occurrence, right? It's like, he didn't even know I was an artist. Like, I was just walking. I was just walking by myself. It's like, it had nothing to do with that. He may have not have known that you were a person. Yeah, (laughs) so it's... Right. (laughs) You know, I could have been like, you know, I don't know. Anything. What something that made him smile? That's for sure. Because he, sp- <laughs> he had a big, like, prominent smile on his face. But I think it's important to just like, you know, whether you're an artist or not, if you're a festival goer, just uh, be aware and kind of like be open to the potential of like, you know, somebody might need you in a moment right. because we are in these environments where people might not know their limitations. And um, might not be able, it might be new to them and Mm. they might not fully be able to grasp um, the way that, you know, these uh, psychoactive, you know, chemicals and like medicines are translating throughout their body. And so just to kind of, you learn, I think over the years for me personally, I've learned to be like really aware of my surroundings. Yeah. And as a woman, like after that happened, I don't travel anymore alone to festivals. And mm-hmm. if I do have to travel alone to festivals as a live artist, um, I usually have a, like a group of artists that are also going to be there mm-hmm. that I kind of we all tend to gravitate towards each other. I think it's a really beautiful thing, actually, what we have going on in the festival scene to where we have this like camaraderie with each other. And it's right. like we've kind of become family. Um I think it's really special, and um, yeah, I, it's it's just great. I think having been in like the festival culture is like been such an amazing experience for me um, as an artist. I th- there's a lot of growth that's happened sure. in those environments. Absolutely, and it's yeah. like, and and even those rules translate just into life in general, you know being aware of your surroundings, mm-hmm. you know, practicing maybe a little bit of prudence and diligence <laughs> in what you're doing, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you're never going to be that let down by not, by, by not like clasping someone by the head. And yeah. Like <laughs> it's the thing, you know, it's like no matter what it is in life, it's like, if you take too much, you could really hurt yourself and other people. Definitely. And, and if you didn't quite take enough, it might be That's just like okay. maybe not the greatest time of your life, but it's not going to be something where people get really hurt, you know? And it's like, yeah. I don't know, maybe always err on the side a little less than a little mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Unless it yeah, really, you gotta, yeah. You have to be, you do have to be careful too. You mm-hmm. know, if like, you know, you're ingesting these substances and you don't necessarily, you know, know where they come from. Like yeah. you gotta be, you gotta care enough you know, about yourself and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why, that's why, um, like dance safe and, and other like testing, uh, mm-hmm. brands, I guess are, are so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they should be for the record allowed at every 
uh, gathering like that. Right. <laughs> because whether, whether you can admit to it or not, the drugs are going to be there. Um, yeah. yep. with or without them. Right. And so, you know, as long as they're there, um, people can be, uh, can make better decisions mm-hmm. and feel safer yeah. and, you know, because they're not going anywhere. So mm-hmm. I think, I think those, <laughs> except, think except for in your body. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's probably what happened. I had to guess. Um, so, oh, I got a question. So, John has a question. Uh, well, like, so, you know, you want to teach, um, but do you have a, a kind of vision or goals for your art and your art career? Mm-hmm. Um, so, they're always changing. And so, like, the goals that I have, and uh, it's always changing based on what I'm being influenced currently and where I'm going. And so, like, I explained to you, like, um, kind of where I'm at right now. And mm-hmm. I have a feeling after these next few months are over, my art's going to, like, evolve again. And I can already feel it coming because I love abstract work as well. And so... I would like to start maybe incorporating some of that back in Mm -hmm. to these figurative works where I've kind of like, I'm really just kind of honing in on just the figure atmosphere. Um, And so I kind of, so while I have goals, it's like they're always shifting and evolving. Um, Personally, I would, I really love to teach workshops, I think, in in my future outside of like the traditional like educational institution Mm -hmm. Um, because I think there's a freedom there. And plus, like I want to teach workshops in like tropical locations because I am. I am not cut out for <laughs> Illinois. I don't, you know, I was born here and I'm, you know, this is where I'm at right now and this is where my life is, but this is not where my soul is and my soul is off in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And so I think like teaching these art workshops will be like a great opportunity to have these events to where people can take a little vacation and yeah. also get a really great art experience if whatever I'm teaching resonates with them. And then also kind of uh, have the opportunity to create, to bring in some other elements. So I was teaching yoga for a while. I'm, you know, I was certified. I am still certified in yoga and also yoga for trauma courses as well that I took. Oh, interesting. Which kind of like, you know, it's like this whole like path of like holistic um, yoga to help people through those traumas Mm -hmm. and work through it. But then also with the art and what I'm doing. And so I would love to have like, you know, all encompassing, like healthy living. I'm real. I took a workshop in Costa Rica after Envision uh, with a, a man or er, Autumn Sky and Morrison and uh, Una. I can never say her last. You know her, yeah, Andrew. V- How do you say Una's last? It's like v- Viagiani or Viagiani or something. Shouts. She's Una, great. Like. <laughs> Autumn's great. You guys are both great. Yeah. So their workshop was kind of like what I really would love to do, you know, where it's like, like a tropical location, you're learning like to hone in into a certain skill, healthy eating, and then also doing yoga. I think that that's really what it, like at my core, that's what I really want to do. Maybe a few times a year. Straight up. And offer that. Awesome. Mm -hmm. 
I'll go. Yeah. I'll yeah. go. I'll go. Yeah. Let's <laughs> go. Yoga, cool. good food, art. That's you the bring the mics down. Yeah. <laughs> you guys you guys can uh, help me co-teach. Oh, yeah. I'll do okay. like the figurative stuff, and then you guys can get into that really like meticulous. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I can. You, you do it too, Andrew. Though. Not so much you know, anymore. I'm uh, using bigger brushes now. It's very, believe it or not. Watch out. <laughs> you got some nice deets. No, I, ha- I I get in on the deets sometimes, but um, <laughs> it's it's a little different from like when we first met. I was like uh, two hours into the painting. Let's brush. Uh, let's bust out that liner brush. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I break not, out the liners from the start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we actually met in Costa Rica, Andrew. Right, that right. was the first time I met you. I remember, mm-hmm. I'll never forget, like, we were both up that whole night. I think Random Rab did like a sunset set or a sunrise, sunrise set. Yeah. And uh, I just remember like I didn't know anybody <laughs> there. Like I, you know, I just I traveled there alone. I was just set up, you know, my easel for the night. I met uh, uh, Jared Trantham that <laughs> night too for the first time. And so what a guy. Uh, yeah. Love that and, dude. Uh, <laughs> so I remember like I had my easel set up and then you had your easel set up, but we weren't like next to each other cause we didn't know each other. And so we had this, like all this space. Right. But we all stood, we both stood there painting like all night, didn't talk to each other. <laughs> and then I just remember like sunrise came up, random rav was playing and we just like both were standing back, like looking away from our paintings. And I just remember we looked at each other and we were just like, bring it in <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that's how we met that's that was beautiful then, uh, yeah i think yeah it was it was great and then yeah i think later do you remember uh, i was thinking about this last night when i was thinking about different things we could talk about on the podcast mm-hmm. do you remember when we got the fire ants in our pants <laughs> <laughs> you got fire ants in my pants. i mean maybe you that, did it was, <laughs> <laughs> it, was at, it was at that after party uh-huh. And I think we were like sitting down in like the sandy grass, like uh-huh. listening to music. And I just like remembered the other day, like t- randomly last night, I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I just remember like we're sitting there and all of a sudden we're just like, okay. What's I happening? Think there's like fire ants in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember like, oh. I remember getting uh, stung by really iridescent, colorful wasps kind of the whole weekend. But they weren't really? like, it, the sting was not like, Oh my God, I'm getting stung. It was more just like a uh-huh. little, a little tickle, a little like a Costa a Rican bug, little bite, maybe a little <laughs> nibble. I don't know. There, I wonder what that was about. I didn't experience that. May, uh, you know, there, there were substances involved, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not always on acid, but when I am, <laughs> it's just wasps and fire ants in the jungle. Um, but I yeah, mean, those are, the, there's something to say about that. I, I have noticed in my experiences with that sometimes like you have these weird, like synchronistic connections to nature mm-hmm. that happen that I've, I've definitely experienced, you know, the yeah. animals know. Yeah. And like the wasps yeah, were yeah. on me and I was just like, Oh cool. Whatever. It was like a very comfortable, like sort of symbiosis it's I like, guess it's like you drop out of your ego, and the animal world isn't an ego. So you're like, yeah, you're just you like line cool. back up. Yeah, you're like, oh, hey, what's up, homies? I'm looking forward to the future and uh, more studies being done on that. Absolutely, you know, yeah, that mm-hmm. realm because there is really something. You know, it's like it's it happens to so many people. It's it's not like so with psychedelics, you do get into your own headspace. 
but you you still have these legitimate interactions with people and animals and nature and plants and all these things that we can't as of now i mean maybe there's been studies i just haven't read them like Mm. you know i'm sure it can be explained by some people but for the majority of us like we don't really know exactly what that is yeah right um but it's really amazing telepathy and some sort of communication that you can't it's hard to voice yeah Mm -hmm. and like the sync the synchronicities that happen Mm -hmm. and like your awareness Mm -hmm. and your eyesight and just like everything just Mm -hmm. like this hyper awareness that happens and i think you basically just get a little more comfortable in whatever selfhood is and but then you also lose the um the self that is constantly yapping at you in your, you know, in your perception, your experience. And like, so uh, I think you're a a little more open to connect with, uh, forces and maybe even intelligences that we don't normally recognize because there's too much. Yeah. You you filter it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Less than the brain's filter. And and I think that's, that is a thing that is like part of of a study and, you know, I'm probably getting this completely wrong, but that like, it does just kind of turn off the filters in your brain. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, it opens maybe some senses up more and maybe tunes down others, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that could also be how like we could explain the the connection, the more connective um, connectedness that we have Mm -hmm. to each other and those same environments, as opposed to like, you know, I have so many connect, like deep connections with so many people in that realm that I don't get in any other, you know, with like Mm -hmm. my peers and like school. And like, I feel like we're just in general and not just because of psychedelic use certain things like that, but, there's this openness that happens mm-hmm. and it, it's really, it's really amazing. And I'm mm-hmm. so like, I feel so blessed, you know, it's like yeah. some people on the outside would be like, these damn hippies talking about psychedelics and <laughs> loving, you know, loving each other and shit like that. Well, right. if, they, if they got to this point, they, they're turning the corner. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys being nice? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think that the, the brain and, it is more or less designed to keep our meat suits safe uh, on a certain level at least. And it's more of a, th- a threat detection and food and reproduct- reproductive acquisition tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's predominantly the program that's running just because, you know, we've been humans for at least 200,000 years. And then before that, like the structure of the brain was literally just for that, just for the things that I just mentioned. Yeah, exactly. We were just trying to protect ourselves, defend ourselves, eat, reproduce. Survival mode. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So Mm -hmm. I think since maybe the industrial revolution, we're easing into a more comfortable lifestyle where we can safely turn those mechanisms off. Mm-hmm. at least um and you know there's been cultures doing that for who knows how yeah. long specifically right. like in the amazon yeah but, yeah but now, that, that's I think, but like as far as just like the numbers of people in the world at large how safe so many people are now and we can experiment with that consciousness and 
what it is to be a, a conscious being, you know? Yeah. And I mean, which is not to say, which is not to, well, how would you say this? You know, we do need to acknowledge that there is threat in the world. Yeah. And, and that we have it pretty good as, uh, uh you know, Americans, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, isn't yeah. it, isn't it an amazing time? for us um i mean truly we're, totally. you know, we're so like lucky thinking it's, about right now yeah. this conversation that we are exactly. able to have freely and openly yeah. and honestly yeah. and feel safe in that space it's it's really it's really amazing and I, it's it's only got to go up from here yeah. and mm-hmm. I, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of healing for a lot of people mm-hmm. um and there's you know like you were kind of touching on Andrew, like all these different like insights that we've gained from these um, these tools and these medicines, and um, it's a shift to, like in perception. Mm-hmm. And so it's like where we have our innate senses and our like how we perceive the world. It's you kind of you can shed those veils um, through these different um, these different uh, chemicals or plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important and it's definitely contributing to our evolution because how could it not? Right. And, you know, and yeah, it has happened throughout history with all these different cultures that we do have evidence that they were using or eating mushrooms and, mm-hmm. um, you know, expanding their brains and thought patterns and abstract thinking. And, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's a lot of growth that I, I really truly feel is going to continue happening. Absolutely. Yeah, years to come. It's crazy. Like this is now popular culture. These people that have mm-hmm. had these <laughs> tremendous, you know, ego dissolving realization experiences. And then we get to hop on a laptop and talk, <laughs> talk to you halfway, talk about it. halfway across the country. And you can yeah. even express <laughs> that you went through trauma and you've had psychedelic experiences. And then this gets blasted out to people mm-hmm. all around the, the lands. The- yeah, and then and then, the and then we talk about that's accessible it, the more, for them. They yeah. can speak on those things, and it keeps rippling mm-hmm. out. It's incredible. Yeah. It's nice. It's so crazy. <laughs> I'm glad we have a small part in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this will be like you know conceivably preserved for as long as we have electricity and internet. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, digital media does change like pretty often, and so it's like, who knows? Who knows what's going to develop in like the years to come? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that's that's one big actually. That's a big topic in like contemporary art, mm-hmm. uh, because the preservation of digital media mm-hmm. and how you know going back even like fifteen twenty years ago some of that digital media, that digital artwork, mm-hmm. we don't really have the means to play some of that anymore. Mm, right. And so it's like, how do you, how do we continue it? How do we translate that in years to come? And like, yeah, it's pretty wild. It's like the, you know, how fast technology is developing in relationship to everything else that's happening. Mm-hmm. Things are getting interesting. Yeah. And they Very. always have been, yeah. you know, they always have been. I, I just think that the internet is it, exposed like all sides of the human psyche in uh you know for better on and worse. full display yeah on full display <laughs> and um i think it's changed the game and at least leveled the playing field in, in media i mean you used to have to uh you know basically buy a satellite to to broadcast uh whatever like programming you were trying to get out into the world like what's happening right now would have cost millions of right, dollars exactly yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
And like, you know, somebody had to decide like who was worthy yeah. of doing that, right. you know? And so, oh man, it's just so amazing. The, the like connected connectivity that we now have to each other and like worlds apart, you know, we have the potential to connect with people in all these other countries, like yeah. via the internet, um, through podcasts, you guys are reaching so many people mm-hmm. and not just you guys, but like all of these people doing things like this. Right, yeah. And so, and you know, at the drop of a hat, if there's some kind of information that we want to learn, we, what do we do? We go online, we can find that information out instantly. Mm-hmm. And so it, it totally makes sense how much we are developing, um, like on a personal level, but then also like through those technological on medicinal and like all the like medical improvements that we've made in like medicine. Yeah. Um, for example, it's like, it's just exponential, even just compared to like 20 years ago. It's, it's amazing. Totally. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. It's just crazy time to be alive. I'm super glad <laughs> and thankful to be here with people like you guys. So, and shouts. Yeah. And here here we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we usually close with the, this question, kind of like what advice would you give young artists or your, your younger self um, mm-hmm. about really anything, I guess, like, but you know, you can make it art related if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so some advice that I would give to younger artists is kind of like, you know, what I kind of explained that I would like to give my students in the future is just like really trying to find out what it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's so difficult because like you have to do yeah. things yeah, frequently and repetitively before you really truly know what it is you want to do. And, and sometimes not knowing what you want to do can lead you into finding what it is you want. But I think, you know, relative to your own perspective and like what you're trying to do, I think just like being open and trusting and sometimes taking risks are necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, man, it's so important. Like I think back to some like circumstances where I've, I've taken risks and, uh, it's really worked out. Like even when it doesn't work out, life finds a way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, truly though. Um, and I think just like being patient, um, to artists specifically, uh, be patient and try not to, it's inevitable to not compare yourself to some of your favorite artists. But I think a common misconception is that people who are successful in art or creating, you know, works of art that you really resonate with a misconception Mm -hmm. is, is that person is just talented. And, you know, you, as artists, we hear that, Oh, you're so talented. But they don't, a lot of people who say that, they mean the best when they say that, but they don't understand that, like, I personally, I have been painting, like, pretty religiously for 17 years mm, right. to be able to do the work that I'm doing now. Right. And so, sure, there's there's talent, but it came from a lot of practice, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, one of the teachers that I worked under when I was an art model at uh, Joliet Junior College, uh, Steve Shirell, he, he said something you know, better than I could. And he kind of compared like an artist has a practice and just like a doctor has a practice and you have to practice that and you have to continue it. And so if you are a young artist, a beginner, you've been doing it for a couple years, 
just keep going. And if you truly want to be successful, if you truly want to become a better artist, you're going to. And it mm-hmm. just understand, I guess, that it can take a lot of time. Yeah. And to just pace, be patient. And I mean, it's not going to even matter if it takes time if you really love it and if exactly. you're addicted to it. Yeah. Because you're just, you're going to do it because you yeah. have to. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's just like no other way around it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. That's good insight. For oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, I think I'm like more. If I, oh, go, go ahead. You go for it. Okay. No, go ahead. Okay. Fine. But. Uh, <laughs> No, you. Uh, I think a more accurate compliment for anyone listening is, wow, you must have worked pr- pretty diligently to get where you're at. Mm, yeah. And, and not that I'm ever, ever, you know, like no artist is going to be mad if you're like, you're so talented. I mean, yeah, maybe some. But it always feels weird when somebody does say that you're talented, though, because you're like, no, just, I'm just... I pouring just, all my life energy I just into do this. all this all the time yeah uh, <laughs> yeah I'm really like lame and all I do is paint uh, <laughs> but yeah I'm talented yeah, yeah. yeah. well it's okay yeah. I mean I guess like it's it's kind of easy to get talent conflated with hard work uh, because it takes both it takes at least a little bit of both of those things um, yeah to be successful exactly <laughs> I think if I like looked at like advice I would give myself, that's really hard because mm-hmm. I think it would be all like relative to situations. Um, you know, like I've gone back and forth so many times, like, should I have taken so many years off? You know, mm-hmm. there I've been in situations where I've taken classes with instructors where I easily could be teaching them. Mm-hmm. Um, not always, but it's happened. Or, you know, there was a time I was modeling for a college and the there was an instructor that was being interviewed and she had no background in figurative art mm. and she was basically in that drawing class drawing me learning how to teach a figure drawing class and as I was sitting there I was thinking like man I should be getting that job <laughs> but I don't have the paper right <laughs> yeah yeah states that I'm worthy and so you know I've gone back and forth but honestly I wouldn't trade my experiences um totally for that and so it's just like I think for myself even just like reminding myself it's like I will get there and it's just being patient and Mm -hmm. taking my time and your your path is your path you know and it's like you're here right now it's a pretty Mm -hmm. good moment and Mm -hmm. yeah it is what it is (laughs) and you at home don't stress too much either, you know? Right. Yeah. You're probably pretty yeah. c- pretty comfy in the scheme of things. And it's all... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and most of us, if we're lucky and fortunate, we have a really long time. We have lots exactly. of years yeah. to accomplish whatever it is we want to accomplish. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, we get to that accomplishment and then there's something bigger that we want. And exactly, we just, yeah. We just keep going and, it's like and the progressing. Accom- yeah, it's like the accomplishments are the marker on the path. Mm-hmm. but And then hopefully as you as you're going on that path, you can dive deeper and just savor the ups and downs of the path mm-hmm. and of seeking the goal. But, but the goal isn't the thing, you know? Exactly. Exactly. You'll never yeah, like, like reach the horizon. Mm-hmm. You know, you just keep yeah. going. It- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Word. Man. Well, yeah. we just blasted yeah. through about two hours with you. 
Hell yeah. Thank you guys so much. I, I'm yeah, looking forward you. to the future of this podcast and the development and other art, future artists that you guys have coming on. I'm serious. Like I, I listen to you guys all the time when I'm working in my <laughs> studio and like it's so refreshing getting to hear my friends like talk with you guys and hearing, you know, cause like you hang out with these people at festivals and you really get to know them on that level, but getting to like really know them and like their ideas and like, you know, their thoughts on different, all, you know, an assortment of topics. It's really refreshing to hear. Totally. And like, I, I kind of revisit some of the podcasts you have too. And awesome. You know, oh, thank when you. I'm waiting cool. patiently for Monday <laughs> yeah. morning to arrive with a brand new one. So I just, I've been telling you guys to, like, you know, all about you guys to a lot of people and oh, yeah. I'm hoping that they can, you know, find some, something that resonates with them in your podcast. Cause it, it truly is, um, a really good service that you guys are doing. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm proud of you too. <laughs> I'm a mom now, so I'm like, I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for your support too. We yeah. really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's been nice talking to you, John. Like, we yeah, haven't met too. in person. Yet. Yeah, this is awesome. Probably might in the future. Yeah, I'd love Probably. to. Yeah. Be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, cool. Thank you guys. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Much love, Alicia. Thank you. All yeah. right. Love you guys too. Thanks. Love you. Peace. Peace. Bye. <laughs>Thanks for listening to another episode of RCAF Podcast. For additional images and notes on this episode, you can check out our website, rcafpodcast.com. And you can find me, Andrew Norris, at andrew.norris.arts on Instagram. And andrewnorrisarts.com is my website. I also have links on my website to episodes as well as all my best paintings. And you can find me, John Speaker. My website is johnspeaker.com. On Instagram, I'm at John Speaker. And on Facebook, John Speaker Art. And we want to give a special thanks to Blair Speaker, John's lovely wife and creative director of the podcast. She also updates the website and does all the podcast notes. So thank you, Blair. And we'd also like to thank Tyler Billman. He created the music for this podcast. You can find Tyler on SoundCloud and Instagram. His name is Get Billsman. That's G-E-T-B-I-L-L-S-M-A-N. Thanks again for listening. Peace. Thank you. (laughs)